This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. And boys, there are a lot to talk about in this week's episode. I'm Michael Duojek here with the record North Shore founding member Joe Coglin as we get you caught up on all the latest news happening here with fall sports. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available Apple, iTunes. Spotify, Android, what have you, make sure you check us out there. Check out older episodes of the podcast as well. Those things are gold, so make sure you are listening to all of our episodes, not just the latest ones. But we always appreciate your listening. All right, we're going to do our four-quarter format here. Uh, in the first quarter, we're going to recap all of the football that took place over the weekend and an unexpected game that we actually uh, didn't talk about last week based on the last-minute change there. In the second quarter, we are joined by new chair football player Nevin Kremaskoli. In the third quarter, we play away or no way, our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we recap some other headlines and other sports and then get you all prepped up for another weekend of football with both Loyola and new Trier playing again. But why don't we get things started here? And Joe, the last time we talked, um, we kind of called, called a lot of the state cowards for not wanting to play um Loyola because uh but at the time we recorded this about a week ago it was Wednesday and there was no announced uh opponent and it seemed like there probably wasn't going to be announced opponent but then on Thursday evening afternoon we got the news that Loyola would be playing uh 5A powerhouse Rochester um their game got canceled on Friday so they were going to make the over 200 mile trek up to Wilmette to play against the Ramblers on Saturday, and before we even get into um, talking about the game, talking about a, a 56-7 victory for Loyola over Rochester, I mean, um, I feel like we really got to give kudos to Rochester because um, playing three or, yeah, three classes higher, you're playing against bigger guys, you're playing against teams that have bigger depth, you're traveling over 200 miles. I mean, obviously, Rochester is a perennial talent in the area for the past decade, but um, just to get up there, travel up to Wilmette and play against the Ramblers. I mean, you really have to give Coach Leonard and Rochester uh, kudos for just making the most of an opportunity when they could have easily just taken a forfeit win. I mean, 100%. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of advantages to taking a week off. There's disadvantages too, but when faced with – uh, well, everything we have going on with the current climate and COVID and everything, you know, taking a week off um, isn't a bad thing and getting a W along with it um, can be looked at as a good thing. I think you can motivate the troops with that too and not lose too much momentum, especially for a team like Rochester. But um, I think Coach Leonard, Derek Leonard was pretty clear that they want to play every week, no matter what. And that meant finding, you know, Loyola, if you listen to some of his interviews, uh, Coach Leonard's interviews, Loyola wasn't their first choice or second choice or third. I'm not sure they were their fourth. Um, a lot of teams down 
near Central Illinois said no to playing Rochester because you play Rochester, you take a loss, and a lot of teams are probably on the bubble. Um, so they found somebody in Loyola, um, and they, they drove. I, I'm not sure why they settled on Wilmette, but they, they picked the 200-mile trek up here, um, and uh, we had ourselves a game of two. You know, a class, a class battle, class 8H, 8A, 7A, because Loyola's in 7A this year, by the way, versus uh, class 5A, 4A power, and uh, Loyola just took it to them. But you can't say enough about uh, what it took for them to come up here. Yeah, we'll talk more about the weirdness of it all and kind of the ramifications from playing this game. But let's talk about the game in general. Um, it was basically the same thing that we talked about last week. Marco Maldonado just continues to be a star in the first two weeks of the season, really um, taking it upon himself to really uh, instill their running uh, position for the Ramblers. Scored three touchdowns uh, for the Ramblers. They got off to a really quick start. Um, he had a 72-yard uh, strike later on to score a second touchdown. Sterney, the quarterback for Loyola, was able to get it passing around over. And um, really just this entire game, Loyola was able to um, really get everybody involved, get um, the running game going and the passing game going. And I mean, Loyola amassed 530 total yards of offense against Rochester's 181. It seems like Loyola knew that um, a lot of what Rochester is able to do um, is with um, their uh, star player. Um, and uh, they really were able to just take, take the most out of it and um, able to uh, really limit what Rochester was able to do against the Ramblers on Saturday. Yeah. You know, it was another one. I was there doing photos and uh, it was just a, it was, a, you know, a blowout from the opening gun. It was clear that Loyola found something in the tape that said that they could take advantage of Rochester up the middle, whether it was Maldonado or in the passing game up the seam, um, which also happened to be Maldonado um, and a couple later strikes as well. Um, and, you know, Maldonado, Marco Maldonado is a star. We've talked about it for the first, the preview and now for two straight episodes. Um, he's only played four quarters. He has, he has seven touchdowns. Um, you know, who knows how many total yards, uh, a few hundred now. Um, so he's, he's unbelievable. He, if he played the whole game there, the score would actually have been worse, but, um, what, what, what I liked, what they were able to do, um, after they, they picked him apart and got that early lead is I think that created some opportunity for Sterney to show off who he is and what he's able to do. And with that light receiving core and injured receiving core, they were able to get some more guys involved and see what they had there. Uh, I think Halasek, uh, is probably pretty happy in seeing those guys perform. Danny Collins does what he does. He's a possession receiver. He also got in the end zone. He looked really good. Um, Peter Gilroy, who's the younger brother of Charlie Gilroy, um, who's in college right now um, playing for, uh, oh, I totally, I'm going to pen maybe. Anyway, um, but Peter Gilroy made a nice few catches, including a touchdown. Um, Parker uh, Spencer led better. Another, he had a couple. Um, and including an over-the-top catch. So, And Sterney was making all these throws, and I think they set it up nicely for him. Nutria, I'm sorry, Loyola was really able to dominate the line. I don't think Sterney was under much pressure at all. You're going to get that when you're a program, you know, you literally probably twice the size in terms of numbers. Um, and, you know, one and a half size of the time was certain guys on those lines. Um, 
So it was really a dominating performance on the defensive end. Yeah, not much Rochester could do. Uh, we really saw the emergence of Brooks Barr, a junior defensive end for Nutria, for Loyola, who's an absolute monster. This guy's huge. Um, his arms are the size of my thighs. Um, just a big guy. And he was in the backfield all night disrupting things. Uh, Mike Williams, their nose tackle, um, created havoc as well. Um, and James Crutes was all over the field there, middle linebacker. So they have some pieces. They got some things done. I think that's going to be pretty impressive going forward. Um, I think this, this really set them up with a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence going into the conference slate. I will say for how much kudos we are giving Rochester, I feel like it's never wise for any team to come into Horster Field and plant their flag in the middle of Loyola's logo. I feel like that is um, you're already entering the beast and they're getting ready to play against Loyola on a Saturday and we'll met, but putting your flag in the middle of the field, I feel like is not the wisest move if you, especially um, when you're moving up in three classes there. That caused some, some barking, man, that, that got them going. Um, I didn't even realize that, you know, they, they set up their um, paper that they run through and, and all that. And I kind of looked away after they ran through it. And then I saw Loyola guys kind of slowly walking toward um, toward the center of the field. And I, I, what's going on? They planted their flag. I didn't even notice they planted it. But then a couple Loyola guys, I won't even mention who, were kept walking toward, had to be held back. So it was pretty, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, you don't usually see at a high school football game. And uh, I don't, maybe that's part of things they do every single week, but yeah, right on the logo, um, Loyola was not having it. And uh, they took it to them early. I also heard, I haven't been able to find this clip. So who knows, this is just rumor mill stuff uh, that their coach said, uh, that Derek Leonard said on a radio show down in Central Illinois, they're going to try to beat Loyola. Uh, 49 nothing or something like that so they had a little <laughs> motivation the team heard about it and so did the players um so maybe they had even more i don't hey i don't know the uh uh maybe i shouldn't even said that because i haven't been able to find that clip maybe halsek just used it as uh some um bulletin board material but anyway um yeah it was an interesting start plenty of motivation for the rambler so we'll move on to nutria here but how much um Obviously, there's some controversy, not controversy, but both coaches were saying that um, obviously Rochester could have taken the easy win and moved on to over, and Loyola could have uh, obviously had forfeit loss and that could have hurt, or hurt them. Um, I mean, wh what do you think is really what was something we can get out of what happened out of this game? Where obviously, I mean, Rochester decided to play the game and they decided, I mean, they didn't choose to lose, but they knew how hard it would be and that would count against them. I mean, they'll get Loyola's playoff points, but um, do you feel, I feel like both coaches were kind of like digesting to look into this, but we were talking a little bit before the podcast and I don't really know what is there really to look into other than maybe saying, I mean, you can't give Rochester a win because they decided to play Loyola, right? Yeah, that's what I don't get. You know, both coaches were pretty adamant. It seemed like they, they were making a point, and it seemed like it was a good one. But I didn't get from any of the stories, including our own, what rule they want changed. Um, if it's as simple as giving both teams a win, I don't know how you do that. The pragmatist in me, my, the head's, my head's going to explode. Like, you give Rochester a win against McCarthy, MacArthur, but also 
give Loyola a win, even though the game doesn't count because Rochester doesn't get a loss. Boom. I don't, I don't know how both games count. I don't know how that yeah. happens. How can Rochester play two games uh, in a weekend um, and only get one result from it? I don't, I don't know if they're talking about, maybe there's a solution. I'm not seeing, I'm not saying that, but maybe they're talking about the grander thing that the playoff records and the playoff points, which we all agree is, is a flawed system. It's a system that seems to be in place to have, to take the objectivity, the subjectivity out of the playoff pairings. It's just, if you have a five wins, you're eligible. If you have six wins and above you're in the five win team, we pick these, you know, 10 teams that have above this many playoff points, period. No subjectivity at all. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Change that completely, maybe for just COVID years, but uh, that's going to involve a whole uh, overhaul of the system. So um, I get that it is not fair for Rochester to want to play and to play the best team in the state, um, even though they had a forfeit win and, get a loss i i get that that sucks uh but they chose to play so they didn't have to do that and there's a risk with that that you take maybe other teams it matters more but we're, we're, we're assuming rochester is going to get at least seven wins this season in that division and you know plenty of playoff points and they're going to do their damage in the postseason regardless um, if they have one of those special teams, which they've had eight times in the past 10 seasons, I don't know why it matters so much. They're going to get Loyal's playoff points. So I want somebody to explain it to me like I'm a child. I really do because I, I feel like I'm missing, <laughs> I'm missing a big piece. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about it in the third quarter. And then obviously Loyola is starting its uh, gauntlet of going through the Chicago Catholic League next week. So we'll talk more about that in the fourth quarter. But let's move on over now and talk about Nutrier, who – uh, took care of business against Stevenson with the 32 to 14 win. And uh, it seemed like the star of the show is Nevin Kermiscoli, who um, was able to show that he can get it done both on, in the air and on the ground. Um, really just, and that's funny because we were talking about that in last week's episode of the podcast, where is Nevin Kermiscoli going to be able to um, take over? And it seems like he was able to take over uh, pretty easily for Nutrier against Stevenson. Yeah, this was another one I did photos for. Um, so I'm on a, I'm on a photo rampage here for football. Um, but it sure looked, you know, he looked, he looked like he took over the offense a little bit. I think, you know, in the first game, you know, and that, I think that we expected that a little more his senior season. Um, the first game, you know, they ran rough shot over, um, over lions and he didn't have to do too much, but he made some big throws. Um, this game, um, I feel like they let him loose a little more, let him run. Um, he had some big gains there, um, had some different types of throws, um, back corner of the end zone to Kirkpatrick. Um, they did some, you know, they, they put Finn Cohen on the flat, which they've done before. Um, so he, you know, he made the throws um, that he had to, um, you know, down the middle of the field as well. So him and Kirkpatrick have a nice hookup going on right now. Um, and they connected for, I think, five times or so you know, three or four times in the first game. So, um, yeah, Nevin's, Nevin's showing what we expected on the growth curve for him so far. I think he's going to be in this um, again, yeah. though, again, though, this was a blowout. So, you know, they were, they were all over Stevenson um, for the most part. So I think when we see a little pressure, 
it'll be different. So Joe, what really um, impressed you just what Nutri was able to do with Stevenson? I know heading into this game, we talked about maybe the Stevenson wasn't um, as impressive as past teams, but I mean, still being able to uh, get a win like this in a, in a not dom- pretty dominating fashion, just a controlling fashion. I mean, what really impressed you with what Nutri was able to do against uh, the Patriots on Friday? I think the, the diversity of their offense um, is pretty impressive. And it's something we didn't see last year, at least not uh, when the, when the, when the, when the stakes were high, we really wanted to see them move the ball against Maine South against Evanston. And, and even in other games where they won Glenbrook North was a tough game and it took them a lot of effort and a lot of series to get it done. This looks like a much more fluid offense, a diverse offense that can run with, you know, uh, a BAM running back like Jack Cummings, a, a shifty bursty guy um, like Jackson McCary and Nevin, who's kind of a combo of both. Um, side note, uh, in the first game, he leveled a DB uh, on a two-point conversion attempt. I think it was a two-point conversion attempt right near the goal line. And he made this little gesture, like putting his hand down here, like you're too small. And <laughs> his video got picked up, that video, um, which was shot by Chris Avery on the sideline. We were right there, Marty and I. But it was uh, it got picked up by Overtime, which is just you know one of those Twitter account sites that just collects sports highlights. So it was pretty yeah. cool. it got like tens of thousands of views of him just kind of blowing up this uh, DB. Uh, but Nevin <laughs> is a big dude, so he's I mean he's six. Uh, I think I can safely say six two. He might be an inch or two taller than that, uh, and he's got some good heft to him. So that his running game kind of mixes in there, and their offensive line bookended by. Mendoza on one side and uh, Luke Elias on the other two big guys. And they got some other depth in there too with Caden Minogue and um, some others that they're able to, to move. They're able to create holes and create space and uh, move up and down um, to, the, to the second levels. So, uh, and then the passing game looks good. I won't say it looks great because I think they want to get Alex Mendez more involved and I think so I think it has another level it can hit in the passing game with Mendez, Kirkpatrick, Finn Cohen um, and some guys out of the backfield too so uh, I, I like the diversity of offense that's what impressed me I do still think they're a work in progress on defense they allowed a 57 yard touchdown run and some other big gashes here or there um, really I think you know their their defensive line is strong but it's that second and third level that they're still figuring out. I was going to ask you about that defense because we, uh, heading into the season, talked about how much they lost on that defense and how much that defense kept them in games last year. Um, giving up 14 points this week and obviously playing the way they did last week. Well, how do you feel about the defense and what they've been able to show? I mean, obviously you just mentioned the 57-yard touchdown, but I mean, just what what have you seen from the defense and have you seen enough from them, especially since they're going to be playing a strong uh, Barrington team next week? I wouldn't say I've seen enough, no. And I, I, that might sound harsh, but I don't think Coach would disagree with me. I think there's some room for improvement there. Uh, I do think their defensive line, it's fast. Um, it's not overly big, but they can bring in, they bring in the offensive linemen like Mendoza and Elias when they're in short yardage situations or run stoppage. Uh, they got Finn Cohen on one end, who's 6'4. He blocked another 
couple passes. I think he's got six on the year already um, at the line of scrimmage. Um, Ty Stringer is an absolute bull. Um, he's a sophomore. And Charlie Zazula is as steady as he gets as a senior all-conference guy. So their defensive line is solid. The problem is you get past there. They got young guys still figuring it out. They've, they've moved some guys in and out in, in the linebacking core. They're just not as quick as they were last year in the linebacking core. Uh, so they got to figure it out because they can get gassed and they, that's what's happened so far um, with the Lions quarterback in week one and with uh, the um, Stevenson running game, which is really strong, by the way. There's no, there's no joke there in week two. Haven't really seen oh. too much on the passing game. Um, and they did just um, in the, um, they did just lose a defensive back in, uh, I forgot his first name, but Olgus. It's Duke Olgus's younger brother. Um, hurt his shoulder, and I think he's out for an extended period of time. So they moved Jack Brewer back to safety, I believe, and he had interception. And he's back there with Mendez, and they got a couple different safeties moving out, like Sean Floyd. So I just i i need we need to see more against pressure, um, similar to their offense. But uh, we'll see if they can hold teams down, like Barrington, who just put up forty two against. Wheeling, I think. So two weeks and um, obviously against good opponents, but obviously not the top of the class. I mean, who is this new Trier team and what should we uh, kind of expect? And what are some of the questions that we still have about this new Trier team heading into a tough matchup that we'll talk about more in the fourth quarter? I think this new Trier team is a team that can put points on you. Uh, they can get after you and you have to be prepared for a multifaceted offensive attack, which is, you know, it's rare in the high school game to get that sort of balance. Uh, and I think they can do that. Now, uh, they're a team that can also pressure the quarterback uh, extensively. Um, so I think that's who they are, kind of uh, um, those are their two identities right now. Uh, but I think we don't, we also don't know exactly because I think they were, they outmatched these two teams. I think when we face closer competition, Barrington, um, I don't know much about Conan right now, but uh, Evanston and of course, Maine South down the road. I even think uh, both Glenbrooks are going to be really good matchups for him this year. Um, we'll see a lot more. This Barrington game on, on Friday at home is going to give us a measuring stick. That's going to, show us, I think, who New Trier is and who they want to be. All right. Well, we'll talk more about that Barrington matchup in the fourth quarter, but let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by New Trier football player, Nevin Krimaskoli. We talked to him and talk. We're going to hear from all the things that happened on Friday night against uh, Stevenson, including a big day for him, just what that meant, what was going right for him, and what the win felt like. Even though you guys had the same point total as you did last week, it definitely felt like a different start, much quicker start, 22 points in the first half. So was that a priority for you guys coming into tonight to try to start much quicker and avoid that slow start that you guys had last week? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we never we never want to be behind on the scoreboard or on the sticks. You know, I think uh, one of the, we did we did a lot of things well. I think one thing we did we didn't do as well tonight was as sometimes staying behind the sticks um, and then making good plays on third down to uh, get some first downs. I think, um, you know, going back to the scoreboard, we we um, we strive for 40 points every week. We're, we have a lot of returning starters on the offense, and not only that, we have a lot of offensive leaders. All five of our captains uh, get time in, at offense one one time in a, one way or another. But 
Um, so yeah, we just stress our offense. We want to get ahead of them. We want to score uh, every possession, first possession, every possession, and take as much time off um, our clock. Our defense is playing well, but we never want to have them on on the field too much. So that's definitely yeah, absolutely. Emphasis. And I remember a couple weeks ago when I when I talked with you, Nevin, you had mentioned that one of the priorities for the offense was moving fast, quick pace. Yep. Tonight you could definitely see that. So yep. was that sort of a priority for you guys as well to yeah, for sure. to kick up the pace mm-hmm. a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think. One of one of uh, our the way we run our offense, I think, is that's a strength for our offense. You know, after a big play, we get right back on the ball, call another play. Um, where the defense is in a vanilla look, we don't, they they don't get set. So, I think that's definitely um, something we did good tonight. Uh, we we strive to do that every week, so I'm I'm glad we we got to do that tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And tonight, Nevin, you did a lot of damage both with your legs and your arm. Um, so, just how much pride do you take in being a dual threat and how did you work on that over the offseason to, to keep growing? I know last year running started to, to be a little more mm-hmm. part of your game as a quarterback, but tonight you really showcased that. So how's that sure. how's that growing for you? Yeah, just, I mean, me, me doing that is just a way that I can show that I, I want, like, I'll do I'll do anything for the team. I, I want our offense to succeed. Like I said, my our goal for the offense is 40 points every week. And if, if I have to run, if I have to pass, if, if we if our run is working, like it, like it was both both games really, um, then we'll do that. But whatever's, whatever's working, I think we should stick to. And, uh, yeah, just p- putting up as much points as we can, I think that's that's one way that we can we can do it. Yeah, and then your connection with Josh, I think through the first two games you guys have, I think he's got 10 catches or something already. So um, just how has that grown over your time together, the two of you guys on varsity? And, sure. um, you know, how connected are you guys when, when you're out there? Yeah, like I said, I think I think I said it when I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago, but um, – you know, me and Josh are, are teammates, but as well, as as good of friends as teammates as well. So, uh, you know, Josh is is a really good player. He he's a really smart player, and he's willing to do whatever whatever he um, can for the team. Um, and he's just really unselfish. He'll tell me he'll tell me what's what's going on, what's working, and and if something's not working, he'll tell me. Even though uh, he, he might like other players, other players that could be would be selfish in that situation, say I want the ball. Um, he'll say. This this is working. Uh, look for me on this, but mm-hmm. if it's not working, then he tells me. And he's it's really that uh, him playing quarterback uh, a lot is really uh, our biggest connection. And I think he, he sees the offense from a different perspective than uh, any anybody else. Definitely. And then I'm going to end with the same last question that I asked to Josh as well. Obviously, big challenge coming in next week with Barrington. Um, where do you guys you feel you can improve, and, and what's it going to take to to beat Barrington next yeah, week? Yeah, I, I think just keep going. Um, I think. Definitely, at some times we have negative plays, and I think that's we never want to have negative plays. We want to take what we can get on each play and then go to the next play. So uh, I think today we, or yeah, today we definitely had uh, some long, long-lasting drives, and we want to keep that going, but also not Thank have any negative high. plays um, that set us back on the on the sticks. So I think that's definitely an emphasis on offense, and I think just keeping our defense, you know, off the field, like I said. Um, staying on the field as long as possible and scoring every time we get the ball. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, right. Nevin. Nice Thank game. you, Marty. Thanks so much, Nevin, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us every single week. Always good to get everybody's insight. All right, we're halfway through the podcast, so let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. Our third quarter means that we are going to play way or no way. 
our weekly guessing game where Joe and I decide whether a proposition I say can happen way or no way it is not going to happen. All right, let's start off with the new cheer boys soccer team is off to a hot start winning its latest tournament. So way or no way, Joe, that the new boys soccer team suffers a loss this season. It's a long season, Michael. Um, they got a ways to go. This is really kind of like the preseason and the opener. They've only played, I think, are we at five or six matches? Um, and they look great. But you could see that, you know, they went to PKs with Lions in the championship of the um, Northside College Showcase. They won the PKs, but that's really a toss-up, right, when it gets to that point. So I think uh, they're going to run into some teams that are equally matched. Um, they did, did beat Libertyville and Loyola, which are good tests, but we're going to run into some others too. So, um, I will say that they will take a loss on the year. Uh, I'm thinking like in, in 18 and two and, and three record or something like that, but they are very, very talented. Uh, got a ton of leadership there. They're, they're going to be there till the end. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think, uh, they got a strong team, but obviously during the long season, they're, a loss can happen, even though there are ties and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I would agree. Uh, uh, no, uh, no way that they don't suffer a loss this season. All right, the Loyola girls volleyball team is off to a strong start, twelve and zero to start the season after winning their tournament this past weekend. Way or no way, Joe, that the Loyola girls volleyball team can finish with less than five losses this year. Less than fewer than five. That's a good question. I say way. I say they do it. This is a very good team. They've already played very stiff competition so far in winning two tournaments. Uh, maybe not the best competition in the state. They're going to run into some in their conference um, and in some other tournaments. You know, remember a volleyball season is is long, and they pack those seasons with weekend tournaments. You know, four games in a day, especially if you get into that losers bracket. Um, if it's one of those tournaments, so. Um, I'll say way though. I say I say four. Let's let's say they they finish about thirty two and four. Uh, they're going to rack up those wins. They really are. Um, I really like the team. I'm actually going to see them Friday. They they traveled into Trier for a non con. Um, they are more experienced and better than Nutria right now. I don't know if they're more talented because Nutria is young. They've got a starting sophomore setter and right side that are just dynamic and two middles that are both sophomores that play. Uh, they're going to be really good by the end of the year. I don't know if they're there yet. So we'll see. Uh, I can't wait to see Loyola on Friday night. Yeah, I think I'll agree with you there again and agree that it's a way that they can do it. I think that they're a very dominating team, obviously a lot of talent, like you mentioned. And um, I think that they can do it. I mean, they, they could probably get that fifth loss somewhere in there, but um, I think way that they, uh, it's very possible they can finish the season with less than five losses. All right, the Nutria boys golf team is off to a strong start, winning its latest uh, tournament. Way or no way, Joe, that this Nutria boys golf team can win a state title? I think way. I think they're one of the best out there. Um, obviously, golf is uh, difficult to predict. You know, it comes down to one weekend where, you know, a couple bad um, showings from your top guys, not bad, but maybe not up to par. <laughs> Um, outings and you fall down the leaderboard just by a couple strokes. It's just so finicky that state. Um, hopefully, and if you get a full weekend, who knows about the weather? So anyway, 
I think they're in the mix. So I will say way there's a possibility they win the state championship. They're very deep. They're very steady. I think at this recent tournament in Buffalo Grove, uh, they had a co-medalist at 68. Then their other scores went 73, 73, 74, 74. So they're, they're just right there. Um, and I think any of their guys can get to that 70 mark on any given day, um, led by Alex Felicioni, who I think shot the 68. So they're a very good team. I will say way there's a way, way there's a way they win a state title. Yeah, I'm going to be lame and agree with you again. I think, uh, um, obviously, I think this team is very talented, like you mentioned. They got the opportunity to do it. Obviously, like you said, it comes down to one weekend, but um, they've got the talent to do it. So if it works out well for them in Decatur or wherever it is in down, uh, downstate, um, I think that they can pull it off. All right, the Loyola boys cross-country team finished first at the Ignatius Conley, invited with some strong uh, finishes from their lead runners. Way or no way, Joe, that a Loyola boys cross-country runner will be a medalist at the state meet this year? Oh, way in a medalist. Um, Spencer Warner's, you know, they're already making the medal with his engraving right now. Um, he's the <laughs> best in the state. Um, you know, I think, you know, correct me wrong, is he a junior? Yeah. Yeah. I think he has a chance to, to win a state title before it's all said and done. We'll see though. Um, I think he actually finished second at that meet. He did on his team. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Simon yeah. finished first. So yeah, that's, it's, it's a good team. It's quality. I think they might have a couple medalists. I think medals based on time. So it depends, but it usually goes to between the eight to 12 range, depending on the time <clears throat> that is the mark that's set. So I think they'll, they'll, they'll definitely have a medalist, I'll say, way. Um, I'm going to agree with you again and work on my questions for next week because I feel like uh, not much disparity here. Um, I agree with you there. I think Werner and all the talent that they've got going on um, will definitely earn someone a medal at the state meet this uh, season. All right, final question, Joe. Way or no way that the IHSA will change the way it conducts football playoffs? We've talked about it a lot in the first quarter. But way or no way you think the IHSA – We'll hear enough from coaches and players, maybe people who are fans and media, um, and change the way it conducts and decides playoff points in uh, football. I will say, at least in the near future, no way. I just, I think they're very comfortable with this system. As we talked about earlier in the pod and, and in previous pods, it just, it removes subjectivity. It kind of takes a weight off their shoulders by just saying, here's the formula. If you don't fit the formula, you don't make it. Sorry about you. So I just, I think it's simple for them to do that. I really wish they, you know, it, it takes, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to put yourself on the line to change it. And I don't know what system you put in place. I really don't. Um, that's not my profession to figure that out, but you know, one system would be to have a, a panel of experts rank the teams that make the playoffs, um, come up with a different point system, come up with some other formula um, that's weighted. I, you know, I don't know. So I think there's a way to do it. I think common sense, you know, Halsek said this and I, about common sense prevailing. I just feel like certain things are just common sense and, you know, that goes for everything in the football formula, not just the point system, but also the traveling, you know, the top team in the state has to travel, you know, your number one seed two hours 
against an eight seed, that's pretty silly. They, they've earned that right, which we've talked about a number of times. Uh, but they have a formula that they stick to. I think that it needs to be challenged. I think it needs to be somebody needs to come up with, you know, some solutions and present them. But I don't think the IHSA, I don't think that's a priority for them right now. So I'll say no way. I think I'm going to disagree with you there on this last one and say way they will change something. I feel like they will hear enough from, um, you know, coaches. And I think if there are powerful enough coaches who are saying something or saying, Hey, we need to change something up here. Um, whether that be how they schedule stuff, whether that be how they decide stuff, I think something needs to change because um, obviously it's not broken to an extent, but um, I do think that there are a lot of playoffs where we're talking about the same thing every single year about this team traveling here, this team being penalized for this, or, I mean, obviously Rochester situation and that kind of stuff. So I think, I think something will change soon where um, they're going to make some sort of change. And maybe that's too, that's me being too optimistic in the IHSA, given uh, how much we've uh, talked about the IHSA in the past episodes of the podcast. But yeah, I think I'll go away with here just to say, uh, they'll change something. It might not be perfect. Heck, it might be even worse, but I think they'll change something in the near future. Yeah. And I mean, I hope they do. So I hope you're right, Michael. And just to jump off that a little bit, it's that there are so many teams that are in the state that are bubble teams, five wins, maybe six wins, maybe four wins, like anything could swing uh, on a couple games here. And that the, the playoff mark, where it is, it leads to teams not playing Loyal Academy, right? So right. if if you have a system where no one will play, like a, a team like Loyola just can't get a game, there has to be something wrong. There has to be. Right. Um, so I don't know how you reward teams for playing Loyola without giving them a loss, or I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you just take the top – Man, I don't, I, there's. Do you take the AP rankings? I mean, do you just do do you just do kind of what college football does, and you look at the AP rankings, and you're like, all right, these are the top teams that the media and everyone else has decided. I mean, that could be a solution. I mean, obviously, records are going to be play a factor there, but I feel like with rankings, at least you get you're going to get the good teams out there. And obviously, in high school, it's kind of it's harder to see every school and decide what school deserves to be in the playoffs. But that can seem to be like a solution, at least to. Uh, um, you know, when you have a situation where what Loyola had or what Rochester has now. Yeah, that that's one way to do it. It just then, yeah, you just have to have the right experts picking it and people, you know, you have to be transparent about it and really open, but man, that would be, so, it is true though. Cause you, you have, you're, you have undefeated teams or seven and two teams who are not to the caliber of a five and four Catholic league team, or even a four and five Catholic league team. Right. You know? And if you want them all in the postseason, the best teams in the postseason, then you should find a way. So um, to get those, they deserve to be in there. So there, there has to be a better way. There just has to. So figure it out. Yeah. So figure it out. I just say, and we will uh, let you do that and move on over now to the fourth quarter where we'll start off with some, uh, um, some other sports to start off the fourth quarter and then finish up with some previews for both Loyola and Nutria with the big weekend of football coming up. Um, we mentioned, um, obviously, Loyola Academy cross-country team winning um, the Ignatius Conley invite. 
Um, Joe, I know that you saw Nutrier play last week, and obviously the strong start that Loyola has. We talked a little bit about it um, in a uh, way or no way, but um, you mentioned that you're covering Friday's game. What can we expect against uh, Loyola and Nutrier? And um, two talented teams playing against each other pretty early in the season. Yeah, it'll be a good one. It'll be a fun one. Not, you know, the, the rivalry itself is always great. Uh, these teams know each other. They're across the, you know, across the huh, the township from each other. They, uh, I think they relish playing each other. Usually a packed, packed gym. Uh, I don't know about this early in the season, but we'll see. But um, we got an undefeated Loyola team and a, and a new Trier team that's, doesn't like losing at home, of course. So I think we're going to get a pretty passionate volleyball match, but also one that both teams want to see where they're at. I think especially Nutrier, you know, they took down Lake Forest. They finished third in that in their their host hosted Summer's End tournament. They lost to Deerfield, who was undefeated, who then lost to Loyal and Championship. And Loyal and Nutrier picked up third. So clearly they're a, a very good team. Uh, they start a sophomore setter and they start a sophomore right side and a vetter who's very good. Um, they got some senior leadership in their libero, Kara Murdoch, their outside hitters. CC Burns is an all conference returner um, who we know. So it's, um, it's going to be good. Nicole Cornell's their setter. I couldn't remember her name, but she's a sophomore and she's a lefty. So that's always great. <laughs> um, and they got height, which Nutrier always does. And they're deep. So uh, they also played a freshman. So I think it's going to take Nutrier a while to just figure it out um, and mesh and gel and all that good stuff we always hear and those buzzwords uh, and get their best seven on the floor, six or seven. And I think they'll do it. Uh, their serving's really good. Um, that said, Loyal is just a polished, experienced, uh, you know, one through one through 15, really good team um, that's going to do damage across the state this year. So um, I could see Loyola sweeping. I could see Nutria pushing it to three. I think it's just going to be really interesting and it's all part of the development for both teams, but um, it should be some good volleyball. It should be a lot of good volleyball. So let's, uh, it'll be fun uh, to check that out. So make sure you, if you uh, are at the game, say hi to Joe and obviously we'll have a fun uh, rivalry matchup there going forward. But let's move on over now to football where we've got two big matchups uh, for both Loyola and Nutria to start. Um, this upcoming uh, week. And um, something uh, that uh, if we want to head into it is um, with Loyola and St. Rita playing each other um, is what do we know kind of starting this? We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but obviously at the end of the year is when we find out playoff rankings and class rankings and that kind of stuff. And do we know solidly whether Loyola will be in class 8A or 7A? Because this would be a big 7A battle between both Loyola and St. Rita if Loyola was to stay in uh, 7A this season? Yeah, I'm seeing everything at 7A. <clears throat> so uh, they're in 7A, so is Brother Rice is down to 7A. So we yeah. have all four of those Catholic schools, Powers, uh, Rita, Rice, Carmel, Loyola at the top of 7A. Um, and there's some other teams in 7A too that are pretty good. St. Charles North comes to mind. So um, it's going to be a battle there in the postseason. Once we get there, uh, all four of those teams should, should obviously make it. Um, they're going to beat each other up. So maybe they're, it's going to be a crapshoot to see how they line up once those, uh, brackets come out. But 
um, yeah, they're going to be in 7A. So this is a 7A matchup. So looking at St. Rita, obviously the big name that we uh, would talk about normally is Caleb Brown, obviously a big um, commit that is going to Ohio State next year. Um, but obviously he, he got injured in the first game against Mount Carmel and we still haven't heard really much about it. So what are you looking forward to in this matchup against um, St. Rita? And obviously a two, I mean, two very powerful uh, teams in the state. <clears throat> yeah, I'm looking for a slugfest. Um, <clears throat> I think Rita's, you know, they played to a, a 10-3 Loyola win and Loyola scored late in the fourth, I believe last year. So it was a great football game, just a classic Catholic league rough and tumble game. And Loyola did an incredible job last year, shutting down Caleb Brown and Rita's. I don't know how much he's playing. They played Rita played out of state and won um, last week. So I didn't hear much about Caleb Brown and what he's looking like this week. Obviously, they want to be careful. He's got a big future in Ohio State ahead of him. Um, but if he plays, I think Loyola knows how to shut him down. But also, the Mustangs know that that's going to be Loyola's part of Loyola's game plan. So we'll see how how that how that plays out. But I I don't think you can expect Rita to score a ton of points. I don't think that they're that type of team anyway. Um, but we'll see. Rita shut Loyola down for three and a half quarters, almost the whole game last year. So we'll see if Loyola can move the football consistently. You know, it's not like they didn't have a power running back last year. They had Vaughn Pemberton for God's sakes. Um, and he scored in the fourth quarter. Now they got Maldonado. Maldonado is going to have to be geared up. You know, he was a little banged up last week. Nobody really talked about that because he didn't need to because he didn't play that much, but I saw him favoring his ankle just a little bit. Could be nothing more, you know, football season. You're going to get, some some a bit nicks and bruises here and there um but we'll see if he can handle four quarters of you know 25 30 carries uh, that's that's a lot that's probably not what it's going to be 20 20 touches maybe um <clears throat> against a really good defense um that's what's going to take and it's going to take jake sterney really proved last week he's got all the throws in his arsenal can he make them under duress can he make them uh can his receivers get some yards after the catch and help him move the football um, I think they can. I think Loyola's got a, a, a better, uh, more complete offense this year, uh, which is tough to say from last year, but um, they, they're going to throw it a little more. And Maldonado is an incredible receiver, as he's proven so far. <clears throat> so uh, I like Loyola in this one, um, but I think it's going to be another one-score game. How much do you feel like, obviously, Loyola played it, probably its tightest game last year against St. Rita, or I guess in the spring, how much do you feel like St. Rita remembers that and is definitely going to uh, want to um, get maybe some payback against the Ramblers um, in probably one of their toughest games last year as well? Uh, very much. I think Loyola was the – or St. Rita was a, um, a top-ranked team. Other than that, I think maybe the final rankings went Loyola, Rita, and you know, Lincoln Way East or something from the spring. So, you know, they remember it. And, you know, you play a lot of those close games and uh, beat each other up like that. I think there's, there's natural momentum and natural rivalry born in those games. So they remember it's going to be, they're going to bring it um, to Loyola and uh, who gets a little, a little bump with it playing on, on Saturday on their home turf. 
um, which I think is definitely going to help them <clears throat> with their their maroon monsoon in the uh, in the crowd, which is their new student section. But um, I think they're going to bring it because of that, and so that's another reason to just kind of pencil in a one score game. I feel like we haven't really been able to. Uh, I mean, obviously, two lopsided wins for Loyola, so it's hard to tell, but. Um, what can we expect from Loyola now that we're heading into the stretch of they play St. Rita and then they play Brother Rice and a surprisingly good Fenwick, uh, both teams on the road um, after playing St. Rita on Saturday? I mean, how critical the stretch is this, and what do you how do you what do you expect out of Loyola um, heading into this uh, tough stretch against division opponents? I think we just really have to see. I think what we can expect is their defense to man up even more. Um, <clears throat> I think you know, there's, there's a calling card for loyal Academy. It's that in these big games, their defense really comes to play. And it's funny, you know, against Marist to, to end the season last year, they gave up a few big scores and then it was an absolute shutdown in the second half. So I think that they just have that extra gear that they can get to. And we have a lot of new players on this defense, but <clears throat> I think that they will come out on Saturday. I expect that defense to show something because I don't know if their offense can do a lot against St. Rita. I don't think anyone can, no matter who they got on the offensive end. So <clears throat> I think their defense is going to have to step up, and I think Halasek will have them ready. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see as, as they uh, start a tough stretch here. We'll get a prediction from you um, a little bit later. But let's move on over now to Nutrier, who will host Barrington. Um, on Friday in Northfield, obviously Nutrier's toughest stretch of the season so far. Uh, um, Barrington losing to Warren 19 to nothing to start the season before shutting out Wheeling 42 to nothing in week two. Um, obviously Nutrier's biggest test right here, Joe, and we talked about this a little bit in the preview show, but um, we can really see um, what this Nutrier team truly is um, against uh, perennially uh, strong um, Barrington team. Yeah, I mean, here we go. I mean, this is it. This is the litmus test as to what type of team this is going to be this year. Uh, obviously, they're a playoff team, but is this a you know seven and two, eight and one, you know nine and zero type team that's going to be a real threat in the postseason, or are they a very good team, six and three, you know seven and two, really good team that that's all they are that they have a ceiling and. Um, it's, it's relatively low compared to a lot of other teams. Um, I, I don't know where that is, to be honest. I've, I've, I don't know what, uh, who exactly is Barrington. I think this is big for them too, because they lose to Warren 19-0, not a big blemish, right? Warren's one of the best teams in the state, but then Warren loses to Maine South. So you're telling me either, and I know we can get lost in this, um, <laughs> this transitive property over and over, but is Warren a bit overrated or is Maine South a top five team, a top three team in the state? Because I feel like it's one of those two only. Um, yeah. And I think it's probably more like, well, I don't want to give my opinion because I'm always biased against Maine South. I want to see Maine South play. Uh, <laughs> but I think we're probably leaning toward Maine South being really good and Warren also being really good. And Barrington's just a step behind. Where does Nutrier on that ladder? If that's the case, I think they're behind Barrington. So Nutrier has to prove they're above Barrington um, to be in a conversation of a top 15 team. A lot of a lot of rankings don't have Barrington in there right now. I think that 
feels like a slight at this point for how good Barrington's been year after year. Uh, but I've also never seen them. So I'm really going on past records. So uh, what I'm saying is I don't know anything, but um, <laughs> I'm excited to see this game too. I think I really don't know what's going to happen because as you said, the blowouts, uh, Barrington's been outmatched, but then outmatched Wheeling. Nutrier's all matches two teams. So these teams might match up perfectly and let's see what they got. Um, I feel optimistic, but I've seen Nutrier twice, right? So um, I think Nutrier can stack up and line up really good with Barrington this year from what I've seen so far, the scores and from Nutrier. What are Joe's uh, keys to the game for Nutrier as they play a, a tough team like Barrington? They got a... Um, it's defense. You know, they have to get Barrington off the field. Um, they have to stop drives, no prolonged drives. I think that's just going to wear down their young defense. Um, and especially the second and third levels, which you keep talking about the linebacks and defensive backs. Um, uh, Barrington can certainly put it, put it on you and score. Um, at least they put 42 on wheeling and they have proven that in the past. So, I think it's all on the defensive end. It's all about stopping drives, getting off the field on third down, and really those linebackers making a difference and making the tackles at the sticks. All right, let's get some predictions out of you. What happens against uh, between Loyola and San Rito? What happens between Nutrier and Barrington? I'm thinking something similar to last year between Loyola and San Rito. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I do like Loyola's uh, – passing game a little more this year. Um, I think they had a chance to hone it last week uh, against uh, Rochester. Um, tons of throws in the middle of the field to the sideline for Sterney. Um, I think that's going to give them confidence. So I'm going to give them the edge here. Still a one score game. I'm going to say they get a field goal to let's say 17 to no, let's say 20 to 14, 20 to 14. Oh. Um, Loyola. That's um, a big one. I know that might be too much scoring, but um, I, it's so hard to predict uh, or not predict, but get your mind to think low scoring. At least it is for mine. I like high scoring, so I like. I, I can't like say seven to three. That feels wrong. What do you think? Yeah, I think I got a ten to six win by Loyola. I think we'll get a um, Maldonado running touchdown and a key field goal toward the end, but. Um, I think it'll be a tight game based on what we saw last year and what we uh, saw from both teams this year. I think missing out on Caleb Brown will um, help Loyola this upcoming matchup, even though they were able to control him um, last week. But I think it'll be a tight 10-6 win um, for the Ramblers on Saturday. How do you see Friday going for New Trier? I'm pretty optimistic. Um, and like I said, I, I almost like I, – I feel – even though I'm saying the words, my mind's telling me like, well, wait a minute, you haven't seen enough here. Um, but that's just, you know, I like this team um, and they've shown me enough so far on the offensive end to think they're going to score on Barrington. Um, and not a lot. I'm not saying they're going to run it up or anything, but enough. And I'm probably thinking, you know, I, I think they'll figure it out on defense. Maybe they won't. Um, but I, I think they're going to edge Barrington here. I'm thinking a really close game, really close. And I know at the beginning of the season, I said, there's no way they beat Barrington, but just looking at things, I think they have a shot here. I think they pull it out. Uh, I'm thinking something like uh, 24, 21 
um, New Trier. Well, that's another high school. You got, you got a lot of high scoring games here. I actually was going to have, um, I think I'm going to have Barrington winning 17 to 13. Um, I think uh, the defense for, I think the defense struggles a little bit for New Trier. I guess 17 points isn't terrible, but I think uh, Barrington is able to score a little bit more and um, Barrington is able to win 17 to 13. I think it's probably New Trier's only loss of the season or maybe their second loss of the season. They'll probably, they might um, have a tough test against Maine South, but I think it will be uh, New Trier's, uh, one of New Trier's tough losses this upcoming season. But we'll see uh, what happens this upcoming weekend as we uh, move forward and look forward to what is going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Thanks as always for uh, listening and joining us this week. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice little write, like and review and make sure to spread the word while you're at those tailgates or Friday and Saturday football games. Spread the word about the record North Shore and about the Varsity podcast. Quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. And make sure you guys are keeping up with all the latest news as the record North Shore will be at Friday and Saturday's games. So make sure you are keeping up with them. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.